Welcome to Grim Gossip. Before we start the show, I want to give a proper warning. The episode you are about to hear may include grim details about assault, rape, and murder. Listener discretion is advised. Today's case is about the grim murder of Kelly Ann Bates and her sadistic boyfriend, James Patterson Smith. Kelly was the middle child of three kids, and she got along well with her brothers. She is said to have been strong-willed and a tomboy who loved playing soccer and hockey with her friends. She had a job at a local market stall on the weekends and also took up a job babysitting for the neighbors. Apparently, Kelly loved kids and had a great maternal instinct. She aspired to be a grade school teacher someday. James is described as an individual who was well-groomed and house-proud. He was a non-smoker and was also a teetotaler, which means he never drank alcohol. He was previously married, but the marriage ended after 10 years due to irreconcilable differences. In 1993, when Kelly was just 14 years old, she was babysitting for one of her neighbors when she met their friend, James Smith. He took a liking to Kelly and kept in touch with her, at which point he began grooming her. It wasn't long after their first meeting that they began secretly dating one another. She even began lying to her parents, telling them she was staying the night at a friend's house when really she was sneaking out to stay the night with James. One night, she didn't inform them that she was staying anywhere and she didn't go home. Her parents, Margaret and Tommy, were so panicked they called the police to report her missing. But she came home the next morning claiming she had stayed over at her friend Rachel's house. Margaret said she knew Kelly was lying but it wasn't like Kelly to lie to them, and she had no idea what was going on with her daughter. Two years into the relationship, in 1995, when Kelly was 16, she decided to reveal her relationship with James to her parents. Kelly sat her parents down in the kitchen and told them she had big news. She had been dating someone very seriously for the past two years. This came as a big surprise to them, since they had no idea Kelly was dating anyone, much less in a serious two-year relationship with someone. It was an even bigger surprise when, in that very moment of her revealing their relationship, a much older man appeared. It was James. He introduced himself to her parents as David Smith and told them he was 32 years old, when in reality, he was 48. Margaret has stated that she was creeped out the moment they met, so creeped out by this man that the hairs on the back of her neck stood up, and Margaret has since said that she, quote, wanted to stab him in that moment with the bread knife that was on the counter, unquote. But there was nothing they could do. Even though they didn't like the relationship, Kelly was 16, and at the time, Britton considered her to be an adult. It's said that even though her parents objected to their relationship, they feared that if they pressed the issue harder, Kelly would begin to pull away from them, which is the last thing they wanted. So they agreed to let her continue seeing James, 
but under the condition that she come home every night. Kelly abided by these rules for a while. In the beginning of the now public relationship, Kelly began coming home with injuries. On one occasion, she had a black eye. When her parents questioned her, she claimed she had got it from a group of girls who jumped her after school. On another occasion, she came home with deep bite marks. Again, her parents questioned this, and Kelly said it was an accident. In order to stop the questioning, after Kelly graduated, she decided to move in with James. At the time, James was unemployed while Kelly retained her position at the market. Margaret called the police, but they told her that Kelly was too old for them to pursue the issue. She was too old to be forcibly removed from James's home, and they needed Kelly to come down to the police station herself to file a formal complaint in order for them to intervene. Margaret said, quote, I didn't know what to do. She was too old for the police to do anything. She wouldn't listen to me, unquote. At some point in the relationship, Kelly did leave James and went back home. She said that they were arguing a lot and that's what caused the breakup. Her parents were happy to have her back and thought that was the end of this relationship. However, James would not let her go. He stalked Kelly until he was able to convince her to come back to him. Kelly's parents were heartbroken, but again, unable to force their daughter to remain at home with them, so Kelly moved back in with James. They reluctantly let her go, but with stipulations just as before. She was to come home and visit regularly and keep in contact with them in order for them to know she was safe. This time, they tried to be more vigilant. They followed Kelly back to his house for some time. James, trying to ease their worries, invited them to his house. When they came to visit Kelly, Margaret said, Kelly kept her head down and barely spoke, and James never left them alone. Oddly, he showed them a hole in the floor, which he said was due to a gas leak, and the engineers were in the process of fixing the problem. Kelly's visits to her parents' home became less frequent, which soon became rare, but they were able to speak to her over the phone at least once a week, which was also monitored by James. When she did visit her parents, they pleaded with her to come home. She'd still be able to see James, they just wanted her home again, but they were met with disappointment each time when she decided to stay with James. In the next couple of weeks, Kelly's parents went to James's house quite a few times to try to convince Kelly to come home, but because James was always there, they were never able to speak to her alone. So when her parents left James's one day, Margaret began to look into who James was. But since they knew him as David and as a 32-year-old man, she was unable to find any information about him at first. Eventually, they asked the right questions and got information they were not expecting. They found out that James had lied about his name and his age, and they found out that he had been unemployed for quite some time. When they found out, they again 
begged Kelly to come home. They were worried about the man she was dating and living with, but Kelly didn't care. She wanted to stay with him. James explained to her parents that he had lied because he knew they'd disapprove and he really loved Kelly. After this, Kelly's visitation and communication with everyone was monitored. Visitation to her parents eventually stopped altogether, but she was still able to call them from time to time to talk, and they went over there to see her as often as they could, but they only saw her when they went to James's house. Kelly didn't attend any more family functions, not even for the big holidays, and they were informed that Kelly had quit her job that December, which was a cause for concern because this means both Kelly and James were now unemployed. In May of 1996, Margaret called Kelly to tell her that she had missed a dentist appointment. While she had Kelly on the phone, she attempted to carry on a conversation. Kelly promised that she would come home to visit the family for Mother's Day, which was that following Sunday. But that never happened, and this would be the last conversation they had with Kelly. Instead of an in-person visit like Kelly promised, Margaret received a Mother's Day card in the mail, but it was evident that the card did not come from Kelly at all. James had clearly written in the card himself. The same behavior was exhibited for her dad's birthday and for her parents' anniversary. This set off a lot of alarm bells. Her parents were torn. They wanted to go and see her, but they thought their visits were making things worse and pushing Kelly further away. But eventually, Margaret mustered up the will to go see Kelly. As she was getting ready to leave the house to go to James's, her son came home and told her that one of his friends had seen Kelly and she looked fine. Even though Margaret felt a little better about someone having seen her, she was still concerned about her daughter's well-being. Shortly after this, one of Kelly's friends went by James's house to see her, but James wouldn't let them in. Instead, he commanded Kelly to stand at a window and wave, which she did. Everyone knew something was wrong, but they had no idea what to do. Margaret went to the police again, but again, they told her they couldn't do anything without a statement or evidence from Kelly herself. They gave Margaret pamphlets for domestic violence, how to recognize it and how to get away from it. She took them with high hopes that she'd be able to bring Kelly home. On April 16th, the Bates family received the worst news they'd ever imagined. The police came to their door to inform them that Kellyanne was dead. That morning, James had gone to the police station to tell them that Kelly had died. He claimed he had accidentally killed his girlfriend during an argument in the bath, stating she had inhaled bath water and died despite his attempts to revive her. When the police arrived at James's home to assess the scene, they saw things they were not expecting. Upon entering the house and investigating, they could see that every room had blood splattered within it, most of it being old. Seeing as how James had no injuries, they assumed it was all Kelly's, 
which was only confirmed when they found her. They found Kelly's naked, emaciated body in the bedroom. It was clear to them that this incident was anything but an accident. James was arrested immediately, and Kelly's body was sent to the coroner's for examination. Her autopsy revealed that she had endured systematic abuse over a long period of time. Just looking at her body, it was clear that she had been starved and had multiple scars, wounds, and bruises, all in various stages of healing. The post-mortem examination revealed so much more. Kelly had over 150 separate injuries, which included the following. A blunt instrument had been used to hit her in the head, scalding injuries on her butt and left leg, burns on her thighs caused by pressing a hot iron against her, a fractured arm, both kneecaps were shattered, stab wounds caused by knives, forks, and scissors all over her body, stab wounds inside of her mouth, crush injuries to both hands resulting in broken bones, mutilation to her ears, nose, eyebrows, mouth, lips, and genitalia, wounds on various places of her body caused by a shovel and pruning shears. Both eyes had been gouged out, stab wounds to her empty eye sockets, and she was partially scalped. It was also discovered that in the weeks leading up to her murder, she was tied up as a prisoner. She had been tied up to a radiator or chairs by her hair or ligatures. The pathologist stated that Kelly's eyes had been gouged out sometime between five days to three weeks prior to her death. She had lost 42 pounds and had been deprived of water for several days before she died. With this evidence, James was taken to trial and charged with murder. During his trial, James denied the murder charge, claiming he was the victim in all of this and that Kelly would, quote, put me through hell winding me up, unquote. She apparently taunted him about his dead mother and, quote, had a bad habit of hurting herself to make it look worse on me, unquote. When he was questioned about why he had blinded, stabbed, and battered Kelly, he said that she had dared him to do it, challenging him to harm her. Then his past came to light, which refuted every claim he made. Three women came forward to confess what he had done to them. His ex-wife, who will remain nameless, said that their marriage ended in divorce because he had been physically abusive to her the entire time. His next victim, Tina Watson, was 20 years old when she dated James. They were together for two years before she left him. Tina said James, quote, used her as a punching bag, unquote, beating her even when she was pregnant with their child. She said, quote, At first it was now and again, just a little tap, but in the end it was every day. He would smack me in the face or hit me over the head with an ashtray. He would kick me in the legs or between the legs, unquote. 
James even tried to drown her in the bathtub, which is when Tina got the courage to leave. Not long after Tina left, James struck up a relationship with Mendy Mottershead, who was 15 years old at the time of their relationship. Wendy stated she was also abused regularly, but she quickly left him after he tried to drown her in the kitchen sink. The jury was shown photographic evidence of the crime, and on November 19, 1997, they took only an hour to find James Smith guilty of the murder of Kelly Ann Bates. James was sentenced to life in prison with a minimum of 20 years before he'd be eligible for parole. The judge, Justice Sachs, stated in the closing of trial, quote, This has been a terrible case, a catalog of depravity by one human being upon another. You are a highly dangerous person. You are an abuser of woman, and I intend, so far as it is in my power, that you will abuse no more." Unquote. The jury was offered professional counseling services in order to help them deal with the distress of having seen the photos of Kelly and her injuries, which they all took part in. To this day, James Patterson still sits in prison. It does not appear that he has ever tried to appeal his conviction. The Bates family have had to move on with their lives without Kelly. Margaret said, quote, I want him to die just like Kelly did. I know I shouldn't say this, but I wish I'd killed him the first time I saw him. That way Kelly would still be alive, unquote. Margaret held on to the domestic violence pamphlets until the day she died. And that is where the case ends. If you guys enjoyed today's episode, there's many more to come. Hit the subscribe button so that you get notifications when new episodes drop. If you have any suggestions, send them my way at grimgossippod at gmail.com and follow me on Instagram at grimgossippod. All websites used for the research is in the show notes if you guys want to take a deeper dive into this case. Thank you for listening. Until next time. Thank you.